0: Learning to love ourselves in our messy and complicated truth is hard enough. But what happens when you have that feeling of otherness just hanging over your head, where you don't feel understood even within your own tribe? How do you confidently grow into your own skin, or maybe even grow out of it, when the road to acceptance and healing is so rough and bumpy? Hey everyone, it's Zach. Welcome back to In the Deep, Stories That Shape Us. Did you catch my conversation with Yolo Akili Robinson on the last episode? Because if not, go check it out right after this. It's a good one. We all need a friend like Yolo, reminding us that there is power in living our truth and that repressed trauma can show up unexpectedly in ways that hurt even those we love. And on a lighter note, you'll also hear how Yolo's military father, similar to my own aunt, took joy in watching us wash, yes, literally wash the stones in their garden. You just got to listen to understand All right, so we all know those people that, despite anything that comes their way, always seem to be in high spirits, always smiling, creating, just spreading good vibes all the time. Our guest today is no exception. She recently starred in the movie Bros. She produced her own show, The T.S. Madison Experience, and is even featured in Beyonce's song Cozy off her latest album. But despite all the success, behind the fierce bold woman is also one who, like many of us, is tired and one who has overcome big struggles in her journey to become her authentic self. I'm a huge fan of T.S. Madison, not just because of her work, but also because of who she is and what she represents. She's always been so real, so authentically herself, which is something many of us wish to be, all without worry. But despite being herself, she's also just like us, longing for the same things, happiness, success, and healing. So, to begin our conversation today, I wondered how she felt about it all. Her success, how she bounces the contradiction of her life being bigger than ever, but also wanting to sit at home and just relax.
1: To be honest with you, it's a thing that goes on in my head all the time. Like, I don't want to seem ungrateful to God. And I like constantly working, but like I'm exhausted right now. I want to take some time and relax, and I want to do it with someone that I love. I really would like to do that. You know, that's very difficult. Being busy and being so enthralled in your career and enthralled in this life cycle that you've built for yourself. But then when you get home and you have nobody that you really doing it with or kicking it with. You know, I have to tell myself, Madison, you manifested this career that you have. So you need to get back into your manifest room and manifest your personal life. You want to make sure that you are in a personal life with someone that appreciates it, or someone that you know understands it, or with someone that's not there for an opportunity. Because this is most definitely the time in your life where you run into people who are opportunistic, and they can become, you know, they can see you as a come up, mm-hmm. and you don't want to be laying in the bed with a person who's plotting on you. Yeah, and and it does happen, and I don't, I don't want to be that person that it happens to.
0: Yeah. Especially because in your life, from what I know, from what I read and hear, you know, you've always had to, like, fight to be here and to fight to thrive. And it sounds like you don't want to have to also fight when you're laying in bed with someone about, like, are you here for the right things? Are you here because you love me? It's 2013. Edward Snowden leaks confidential CIA documents and flees to Russia. Beyoncé debuted her self-titled album by surprise, and people like Kim Kardashian are doing more and more to, quote, Break the internet. It's a time filled with bootylicious selfies and self promotion, one feeling more wild than the next, as everyone wants to updo the last viral sensation. It's also a time where we see the rise of the vine, a now dead social media platform where you could upload self made videos. And then one day this year, Maddie decides to release a vine that rocked the internet.
1: Everything I've done in this world has been about me surviving, you know? You don't know the cards that you're dealt. You just know when you get them, you've got to play the hand. And um, 2013, I was still into the adult film industry. My website was strong. But I also wanted to get a reach a wider audience. I started posting little nude clips of me on Vine, like little funny nude clips. Because when I used to do adult film, my adult films were very satire, very funny. Mm -hmm. It was sex, but it was satire. So I found an outlet Call Vine, and on Vine, it was six seconds of, you know, posting little videos. I have to make sure that I say this so that people can understand. Before I even posted on the Vine app, I made sure that there were other adult or nude or other things there before I posted them. I was not trying to post adult or nude things in places where there was no other nude things. I wasn't trying to infiltrate that space. I just was trying to promote. My product. Honey, I posted, new weave, new weave, 22 inches, yes! A guy picked it up from New Orleans, a straight guy picked it up and was so enthralled of like, why does this woman have a penis? hmm <laughs> Like, why does this fat woman have a penis? And he doesn't even know the seed that he planted in the ground just threw me into a viral space. Whatever he meant to be for joking or or to poke fun at me or whatever, it really catapulted my career mm-hmm. into a whole other direction. But at first, the response to it was very negative. I had to go through... I had to crawl through shit to get to sugar. And the negative response I received was from my community. Because at that time, it was like when Laverne Cox was on the cover of Time magazine. or just New Black was out, you know. It was called the transgender tipping point. Mm-hmm. And so... Because of that, I was looked at as the villain and she was the hero because it was like you're counterproductive, Madison. Like you're showing your nude body and you're doing this stuff and you're just a detriment to the movement of what you're trying to do for trans people. Fast forward to now, looking at now and how my presence was a necessary component because Mm -hmm. you got the opportunity to see trans people on all spectrums. You had the opportunity to see Laverne shine in her glory. And you also got to see me breaking down barriers about trans bodies and sex workers and adult film and things like that. I was only in this thing trying to survive. And wherever yeah. they posted those little clips and stuff of me, I never posted them in on Facebook or Twitter. Or is I never did that. It was the the masses of people posted that. And it caused so much discussion and awareness around trans people and trans people's bodies and stuff like that. So I didn't even know that I was doing a revolutionary act. Yeah. I only was trying to freaking make my money to survive.
0: When you're someone so sure of yourself like Maddie, it's rare that people can hurt you with their comments, especially when they come from a place of hate. But she had a different reaction when she received painful backlash from her own community, when she had helped build and protect. Because when her own community cast her against trans actress Laverne Cox, she felt like the other, with Laverne being the poster child for what good trans women should be, and Maddie now being the opposite. It felt like a betrayal, a slap in the face, to be chastised by the very community that's supposed to protect her.
1: I had a lot of people that were making fun of me, like, you know, like, oh, she's so fat or he is a fat man with a, those are man boobs, you know. And so the one thing about me, I've always been confident in myself, comfortable in my skin. It didn't bother me like that, but what bothered me the most was, you know, my community attacking me. I was in my space, in my world, doing my own thing. I let everybody who was somebody be somebody, and I was just trying to be me in my space. I was more so angry at the conversation around my presence mm. and how my presence was like a detriment to people. And I'm like, those people don't give a damn about me when I'm trying to pay my bills, when I'm trying to survive, when I'm trying to eat, when I'm trying to live somewhere. I can't go to the fucking people to ask for no rent money yeah. or no light bill money or no food money. I'm trying to make money. But it made me angry because it's just like you you tried to vilify me for surviving. I love Laverne because Laverne is our pioneer. She's our hero. But for them to say that, you know, like I was a detriment. Mm-hmm. Like, that That mentally messes with you a little bit. And it's like, people don't understand, like, that would pit two girls against each other.
0: Yeah. And, you know, America loves to pit Black women against each other. Oh, we have two Black trans women visible. Let's make them fight. It just felt very counterproductive.
1: I respect her, you know, and I love her for what she is doing and what she has done. And when I had the opportunity to talk to her and tell her, like, this is what was going on... She's like, oh my gosh, she, said she hates things like that. And I do, because it's like, bro, she's who she is. Like, we're not all the same, we're not a monolith. She yeah. is who she is, I'm who I am, you know? And that was hurtful, to be painted out as a villain.
0: But even through the backlash, Maddie didn't back down. Instead, she doubled down on her authenticity, her name, her past. She never shied away from her sex work even. Instead, she took pride in it and kept the T.S. in her name. And for those that don't know, T.S. is a code trans women use to identify as sex workers online as a symbol and a message to break
1: the stigma. After I watched all the hate, I saw the love that I was getting from people. Like, oh my God, I love you, T.S. Thank you for, you know, making me be seen or, you know, just like little stuff like that. And then I would see kids Quoting, new wave, 22 inches, or oh, come on in, and, you know, stuff. I would see it and it would, it would find it funny. But what made me lean in was, now that I have your attention, let me talk to you. There are girls like me that are out there in the world that are trying to survive, that are in sex work who are sex workers because they got to pay their bills, not because it's a choice that they've made. So let me talk to you about sex workers since we're talking. Yeah. Let let me talk to you about the, the secular life since we're talking, since you listening, you know. Let me get in here, make you laugh, and then tell you a story. Let me take control of the narrative. Let me get in here and take control of this and steer you in the right direction. This is what we're doing. This is why I'm doing this. And this is what you need to know. This I'm not the only one out there. I might be the one that you see now, but I'm not the only one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what's also you did at the same time, you began, you know, telling the truth, telling your own truth, having a conversation. But you also were having like really authentic conversations where you weren't saying, "I'm the expert. This is my life. I'm going to tell you about my life." How did you know to do that? Because you'll say, like, you. I know there's that amazing clip I send my friends all the time where you call your friend a faggot, I think, and then you say, "Oop,
1: queen, <laughs> oop, queen." Here's the thing: people see visibility and they see it as one way it is important for me to let people know that I am not the way, the truth, the light. I am my way. I am my truth. I am my light. You understand what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. the way you treat me, someone else may require you to treat them a different way. Handle each one of us individually. But when you don't know, you ask. Because even me in this situation right now, I'm 45 years old. 45, okay? And I still mess up, get it wrong. And when I mess up and get it wrong, I'm not above reproach. I'm not above, you know, reprimand. I'm not above it. But when I'm confused, I ask. Just like when I get into situations with the they and them pronouns, I'm like, okay, times are evolving. How do I use this in a sentence? How do I approach people? And so it's important that I lead by example. It's important that we lead by example. We can't tell people, oh, well, this is the proper way to treat me if you don't show an example of it. And I'm definitely an example of getting some shit wrong. Mm -hmm. Because I loosely say fag, but I say it amongst my friends or, you know, like girlfriends that I know, you know, that understand it. It's just like we black people using the N-word. Yeah, It's our word now, honey. We took the power back. It's our word. You can't use that. I think that's
0: a way more productive way of moving through the world is to say, we're not perfect. I don't know everything, but this is what I do know. And this is what's based off my experience. And it does seem that people are really responsive to that type of truth telling. And yeah. I just have never seen anyone do that before. Does that shock you that you telling your truth continues to have such a positive impact?
1: You know, honestly, people like the rawness of me, the raw stuff. And, you know, people respond better to raw because it's, it's not fiction. It's not a script But I also know when and where to give a lot and to give enough.
0: In being raw, being authentic, being herself is exactly what Maddie does best. One of her most iconic videos titled, Bitch, I'm Black, even caught the eye of one of the world's biggest superstars, Beyonce. But more than the celebrity and visibility, it's the message behind the video that's important here that regardless of how much pain and hurt and suffering we as Black people are facing, it's still our own people, cisgender Black men in particular, who aren't doing enough to protect her in public. And she manages to capture the essence of the confusion within the video, showing that trans women deserve to be loved and respected in public and not just behind closed doors.
1: To hear Beyonce voice meshed with mine is an amazing thing just from that. Like, that's freaking (laughs) Beyoncé. To hear her voice mesh with mine, but then to hear her voice mesh with mine on a statement to the people, I'm dark-skinned, light-skinned, beige, fluorescent beige. Bitch, I'm black. The message that I was trying to give to the world was taken further than I could ever even give it by a global phenomenon who got it, who got the message. And it just made me feel like, Madison, your voice is never in vain. The things that you stand for is not in vain because you have a global superstar, a global Mm phenomenon who has elevated your voice to the highest plateau. Mm -hmm. Co-signing the things that you were talking about. I can't explain it.
0: Do you feel with the song out there and people hearing your voice more through that song and that specific message you were giving, which is, you know,
1: protect black trans women was the message. Yeah, protect was coming black through. trans women. Just protect us.
0: Do you think people are, are hearing that now? And how are like black men hearing this the song in, in your own life right now?
1: This is about a black movement all around, not just straight black people, but LGBTQIA black people, particularly black trans women. Like, wow, this is a powerful message that I need to listen to. I think that the response has been bringing more awareness and it's making people more comfortable, really comfortable in their skin and comfortable with, you know, sharing their blackness. Because I think what happens is with black people, we only want to share our blackness with with black women. Mm -hmm. Let me just go there. (laughs) Do you have to be comfortable with sharing your black womanhood with other aspects, with other areas of black women? Black trans women exist. And so you have to be comfortable in sharing those lived experiences with each other. We have to be comfortable doing that. Yeah, And I think that that's definitely what Beyonce's voice meshed with mine is definitely saying.
0: Yeah, it definitely does put out the message that like my womanhood, Beyonce, is the same womanhood as Maddie's womanhood. And we all need to not only see that but also sing the song about it and celebrate that in the streets which is why that's such a radical moment and you know do you find i'd love to know do you find that type of messaging you know you and beyonce together more impactful for black trans women than you know just the reports about all the violence because i feel like black trans women and why i love what you do so much is you bring so much joy to the forefront and a lot of times when we hear about black trans women in the media it's about death you know, murder, all these bad things. But you and Beyonce in that moment are really saying, you know, we're going to
1: celebrate this. We're going to talk about it. Is that more impactful? We're combating the negativity. We're combating the evils that's out there. And we're celebrating. We're saying, listen, damn all that other stuff. You know, put the arms down or put the hate down and fight the real enemy here. Mm Mm-hmm. Fight the real enemy, fight the real internalized homophobia, the internalized transphobia. You know, fight this within our community, honey. Let me bridge the gap in between and elevate, you know, our voices so that we can sing on one accord. I personally think that, you know, this goes hand in hand with each other.
0: It's hard to combat the stigma, the negativity that comes with being you, especially in a place like the South. I'm also from the South, and I'm too familiar with the juxtaposition of feelings, those opposing thoughts that come from the church versus your family, or even ourselves. And sometimes I wonder if in places like the South, where so many people like Maddie and me exist, if things are progressing fast enough for change.
1: I think that Black people are are subconsciously homophobic and transphobic because it is something they inherited. And... There are even gay people and trans people who are transphobic and homophobic yeah. because we were raised up into these in these homes like this. And so I don't think that it's our fault because this is something that's been generationally raised in us. But I do think that visibility like with girls like myself and other girls who, don't, who are standing for and who who, because I openly talk about my love for God and, and the way that I feel about how God is uh, impactful in my life and how my whole career and my whole presence is is God is the reason for it. So I think that that kind of like offsets some of the the struggles that we have as queer people with believing in God and professing our faith in God, you know, and then we have people like Kimberell who's always in the media for that nasty shit that she says towards the the LGBT people and and just people in general. Like, it's just the body of Christ, the fake body of Christ, Mm -hmm. I should say. Because the body of Christ lives within us all. The presence of Christ lives within us all. But the fake body, we're seeing so many people of the church, so many people of the cloth coming forward and things are being exposed that we're like, girl, we're not, nobody's thinking about that shit. Girl, nobody's thinking about them church, what those church people say, fuck
0: that.
1: Mm -hmm. I love the Lord.
0: I have no doubt Maddie is going to accomplish all these things and more, but in matters of the heart, especially as a trans woman, I wanted to know how she managed the other. Because even as confident, bold, and loving as she is, the challenge of dating as a trans woman is difficult when people are not living their truth. I wanted to know, what did love represent for Maddie? And how did she deal with the transphobia and homophobia she had
1: faced? Five years ago, somebody asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, honey, you know, I want this, I want this. Some of that stuff happened, some of it didn't. I am going to walk in the footsteps of what God has for me to walk in. I know what I would like to have, I want this. I want a bigger house. I want more money. I want this. But whatever it is that God has for me to do, that's what I want to do. And I want to occupy all those spaces that God has, you know, created for me, specifically for me. Mm -hmm. I want the roles He has for me. I want the, you know, the shows He has for me, whether it's television, theater, Broadway, film.
0: And out of everything you just said, which I think you should get and will get all of those things, you didn't bring up love, which is where we began, was love and feeling held. What does love look like for you? Especially, you know, we don't talk enough about the stigma Black trans women face, especially from straight men in the Black community, and like what you have to deal with every day just looking for love. So how are you navigating that? Just the fact that like straight men are transphobic and you're dealing with that on top of everything
1: else. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. <laughs> no more. Uh, what is it? What is love? I found myself loving people more than they, than they ever loved me. Mm. I found myself being um, codependent on people. I found myself being a mom to someone that should be a husband or boyfriend. I'm going to ask God to design someone for me. Mm. Specifically for me, that's masculinity isn't fragile, that is secure within himself as a man, and who loves, appreciates, cherishes me, pushes me, and equally meets me with the love that I give to him. Equally. I want our, us to share the same love and emotion and feeling for each other equally. Mm hmm. Hopefully I get it before I leave Earth. Hopefully.
0: I want that for you too. And it feels like the only barrier you have to that is just straight men not living in an environment that says loving a black trans woman is the same love. Am
1: I right there? You're correct. You're you're extremely correct about that. Because, you know, there are men that men that like trans women are not gonna identify as gay men. Yeah. They're not gonna do that. So, you know. But I mean I've I've dating men who are uncomfortable, but it's just other hiccups that are, you know.
0: Yeah. Before I could let her go, I wanted to know what advice she had for men looking for love, especially the men who are struggling with how to talk about the relationship with a trans woman.
1: Well, I think that, you know, when it boils down to it, who's going to wipe your ass when you're 80? Who's going to tuck you in Is the world going to do that for you, or is the person you love going to do that for you? Love go the distance for what will go the distance for you. And everybody that's outside talking about what you should love and how you should love and who you should love, tell them to come in and love you. If they're not going to come in and love you, let me do what I need to do. Mm. Let me receive this love. Let me give this love. Amen. It's just like, I think men live so in a space of what others think and others say. like, Like, fuck the world. It's about you.
0: Maddie's energy is so contagious. It makes you want to be your best self, the truest form of you. And it's wild to think that there was a time where people made her feel less than or like a villain of sorts, because she's so great at protecting herself and her energy. But it's this vulnerability that makes me love her even more because it shows that even the strongest people, the people that hold us down on our worst days, are really just like us. What's inspiring about Maddie is that even on her off days, she manages to impact change. Like her viral videos, when she is her boldest, her loudest, at her most vulnerable, is when she heals and overcomes the stigmas that plague her and her community at large. We are so excited for you to be here for Season 2 of In the Deep, Stories That Shape Us. Keep coming back every other week and take in these powerful stories of Black and Latinx people as they take us on their own healing journeys in the deep stories that shape us is executive produced by myself zach stafford and yvonne sheehan and mastered by james foster and our writer is yvette lopez a shout out to our guests t.s madison